Welcome to another episode of Simply Sales and Marketing. Today, we have the one and only Luigi Prestonenzi of Sales IQ Global and host of the Sales IQ podcast. Luigi specializes in sales enablement, sales consulting, sales training, and helps unlock the full potential of sales teams. Welcome to the show. Welcome. Oh, thanks for having me. That sounded pretty good. <laughs> so, so, Luigi, you say selling is less about selling and more about helping someone achieve a better outcome. I have followed you on LinkedIn for quite a while. You put on some excellent posts, which are really helpful from a sales perspective and also from a marketing perspective. I know a little bit about your sales journey. You struggled at school. You managed to create your own company which is absolutely awesome your mom used to be a salesperson so she worked for mary Kay. <laughs> she has some great inspiration there tell us a bit more about why you got into sales it's a funny you know maybe it's not a funny story but um it's probably the only profession i could have gone into without any kind of piece of paper uh, because yeah. school was not for me uh, i really struggled just to keep myself engaged, um, you know, it was one type of learning. It didn't really suit my learning style. And, and therefore, I was kind of cast to the left to say, well, you're not going to really achieve anything with this type of with this type of attitude. But one thing that I always did at school is I always was hustling. School, I was kind of trading goods for money. Most of the time, it was legal and sometimes it was illegal, right? But <laughs> like, you, you, kind of, you were young, you were stupid, you're doing things, but then... As soon as I left school, I kind of, I didn't really have much options. So I had to go for the job that call center, telemarketer, sales roles, commission roles. And I tell you what, I'm so fortunate and I'm so glad that I did because I found something that I became really good at and I became quite passionate about. I didn't find it overnight. So it wasn't like I was great to start with or I really knew that I found my calling. It probably took me a good five to seven years to realize what my journey was like what the journey that I was about to begin so I talk about the first kind of five years of my journey it was more of a an aha moment and you know again I started in I was working in call centers and I, I was actually really good like proper cold calling yeah like we talk about cold calling today people go cold calling today blah 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 what we do now is not cold calling. We get names, we get email addresses, we get mobile numbers, we get research, we know the prospects, we can even find things about them. When I started back in 19, what was it, 1999, geez, it makes me feel so so old. But, you know, we had, we had a piece of paper, we had a phone number and we had an initial, right, of the person. And you'd ring up and you'd try to flog them something that you don't know if they need. And I, like I said, I, was, I actually got really good. I got really good at being able to work through that the barriers of being hung up on and told where to go, etc. Um, same with door to door. But the first key milestone in my career was I had a bit of a shame about working in outbound contact centers. So I thought, you know what, I want to work in, a, in as a sales rep and inside team because that's more, you know, it's, it's more professional. <laughs> um, and so I got a job with a company called the Laminex Group and I was working as a customer service rep, but I just wanted to become a salesperson. I wanted to become the sales rep with the car, with the phone, had my patch of clients. It was much more of a respected role in the company. But every time I went for the job, I got rejected. And after three attempts over, you know, what was it, nearly three years, the final attempt, the sales manager said, look, you can't sell, stop applying. It's, it's not for you, right? And so I took, you know, it kind of hit me. I didn't have any skill, but... 
I won't bore you with the rest, but seven was it six, seven years later, I actually sold to that same car a nearly a four million dollar contract, right? Wow. And, wow. Um, but I wouldn't have been able to achieve that outcome without being told I couldn't sell. So I'm yeah. forever grateful to that person, and I still remember her name to this day because that was the catalyst for me to really launch my career and realize that you know what's possible is anything that I put my mind to it. So I know that's probably a roundabout way of, of yeah. where I got to. Um, Did you ever have any interactions with her again? It wasn't her you sold to, was it? Yeah. I was much senior, but it was interesting. <laughs> okay. The day that I, I got the contract and the day that I was at the same place, many of my, the people that I'd worked with were still there in the same role. You know, I'd never forget that one of the senior guys came over and said, I, I can't believe we let you go and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, mate, I'm, I'm absolutely grateful for it. Like it was yeah. the best thing to happen to me. And there were a couple of moments in my career where it didn't go to plan, but they helped. It took me, it took my career to another level, right? Yeah. And and so, you know, that I, I've been fortunate. I'm, I've just turned 40 I've been fortunate to work across both B2C and B2B. I've worked in enterprise sales. I've put deals worth a mil, five, 10, 20 mil together with some of the largest organizations across Asia Pac. And it's all because of the fact that I was told that, you know, this is not for me. And, and, and again, it, it just made me realize the importance of self-development. It's always changing, isn't it? I mean, we won't, we won't call her out. But I, I think the amazing thing is is that you stuck at it for, for so long. You know, you said you weren't even sure the first five to seven years. You applied for that job three times, which I think also which gives a lot of people that are starting out not sure if it's what they want to do hope. I mean, if you were starting out, if you were speaking to those people that are starting out, what is there anything you wish you knew about sales or marketing that would help the, those people? Yeah, absolutely. You know, I talk about now that my, my true belief is about helping somebody achieve a better outcome. Was that my view when I was 17, 18 years old? <laughs> Absolutely not. I just thought it was about getting a number and, and getting a commission check, yeah? And I had that same viewpoint for a number of years. I didn't give enough respect to the people that I was dealing with. So the biggest piece of advice I can give anybody that's starting out into this career is, you know what, what we do is, is, is actually quite a noble profession. And people give, the people put a lot of faith in us. <laughs> they're putting faith in us and they're asking us to make some decisions for them that they don't have the capability or expertise to make for themselves. And I didn't realize that. It took me years to get to that realization. And when I had that realization, my whole viewpoint on the profession changed. And so again, I, if you take that viewpoint first, that the role is about helping people, the role is about guiding people, educating people, nurturing people, supporting people, you're setting yourself up with an incredible foundation for success. Absolutely. And I think, you know, when you say you got rejected and you were told that you can't sell, I mean, that is, you know, you've got to turn that negative into a positive, haven't you? You know, whenever I get a no from a prospect, it really drives me to to keep going. You know, a lot of people, I think, perhaps give up, don't they, once they get too many no's and it ties back yeah. into what you were saying about mindset, that you need to have that mindset. You need to prepare for a no. You don't, you don't want to be expecting a yes. I had a, an experience this week. I had two really good calls a couple of weeks ago with two new prospects. They both cancelled the second call, so the demo. Yeah. And I thought, wow, those calls went really, really well. So it called into question what went wrong. 
you know, we, we managed to sort of salvage the call. So the call's been, the demo's been moved to, you know, another week out. But yeah, I mean, you can have really, really great sort of discovery call with a prospect and then for it not to move. And, yeah. you know, this is, this happens, I would say, 80 to 90% of the time. And it's how you deal with that rejection that really, you know, can drive you forward. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, I think the other thing, you know, the other piece of advice I'd give anybody, and this is not just for somebody starting out, this is for, you know, somebody that's been in this 20 years like me. There are so many things that we can't control. And if we focus on what we can't control, then we will essentially be out of control, right? But the circle of control is actually is bigger than what we, we first think. And especially as the world is, is embarking on another another kind of crisis, like we've had COVID, we've had labour shortages, we've had freaking... I went to buy some bloody lettuce. It's like 10 bucks. Uh, yeah, I heard. I'm like, what? For a dollar, a dollar fifty, it's 10 bucks. I'm like, Yeah. KFC um, are using cabbage, apparently. <laughs> it's just... So, so like we're embarking on this, this, this another. Cro- now, the, the reality is, there's always going to be things that can make it harder for us if we choose for it to make it harder for us, right? And I can't control if the government puts up or if the Reserve Bank uh, puts up interest rates or if companies lay people off or, you know, I can't control that. And I'm absolutely not going to take the mindset of scarcity and say, holy crap, this impacts my total addressable market now and I'm, I'm doomed and. Um, it's going to be difficult because, again, I, I can't control that. But what I can control yeah. is to say, okay, great. There are things happening right now. I can't control that. But what I can control is, again, doubling down on the fundamentals, doubling down on the foundational skills that I know are going to keep me current, regenerating value in my existing database. So making sure that I'm loving, nurturing, doing everything I can to give us, create as much value for the people already in my network. And then two... You know, if I am going to go into a market that is is suffering, then I've got to redo my ideal customer profile and make sure that my message is relevant for the people that I'm engaging with and identify additional profile companies that might not be suffering as much as others. So there are absolutely things that we can can do, we can do, and we can control. And you know, for me, I'm all, I always have the view, maybe not always, but most of the time I have the view that. I've absolutely believed that we live in a world of abundance. And for me, the you know, COVID, as difficult as it was sitting at home in Melbourne, we were in the longest lockdown in the world. The opportunities now for a business like mine is massive. Like it's completely opened up, you know, opportunities that historically we would have had to, you know, fly 30 hours across the world to do. You know, I've got one coming up actually in Germany. I've got another one coming up in New York, which is fantastic because I can't wait travel but yeah you know i facilitated training in china and singapore and vietnam and in, 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 i did europe last night i'm going to america like previously that was very difficult so again yeah abundance mentality has created opportunities that weren't there before covid when do you ever sleep because you seem to be like working with all these different markets it's great and obviously the digital world has enabled that i love how you talk about sort of the love and the nurture to create value you put together on LinkedIn the other day, a really good so that mastering the buying journey, the seven steps when you have a first meeting with a prospect. Walk us through that. Yeah, so I put that together because again, I, I'm I'm really privileged that I get to coach so many different sellers from from different parts of the world, right? And one of the things that I found the theme happening and a pattern was that 
many salespeople uh, and sales pros are going into meetings with really no structure. Some might have an agenda, but some don't, which for me is quite frightening, right? Because again, we're professionals, yeah? Like we we have to be seen as a professional. So the steps that I, I, I sort of follow in a, in, a, in a first meeting is really simple. I need to start with my research. I've got to I've got to do research before I go into any call with a prospect because otherwise, how am I how am I d- designing the questions that I'm not going to ask if I don't if I haven't done the research? Then when I get into that meeting, it's all about making sure that I have a very clear agenda and there's a clear what's in it for them so that they go, you know what? The reason I've, I've given you time, I'm actually validating the time that I've decided to give you because I can see there's going to be what's in it for me. That then moves into my point of view. So I have to have a point of view. If I'm meeting somebody for the first time, I can't be talking about you know me, my products, my service. I've got to be giving the point of view, the reason why we're actually connecting today because of the change that we're seeing in the market or there's a, there's a bit of a shift happening. And I've got to give some insight, some value, some teaching that helps them see me as you know a source of it's a source of value fundamentally. So when I when I lead with that insight, when I lead with that point of view, that's what builds rapport because they're also seeing capability and expertise. And so the relationship tension drops and they start to open up. And that, that then leads into the questioning stage, right? When you lead with the trend and then ask a question, then you start to move into the discovery stage of the, of the meeting. And then following that, we then talk a bit about you confirm your understanding, share a few stories of how we've helped people like them, and then you have an agreed next step. So it's a very simple structure, but it's not built on the premise of I'm going to just th- show up and throw up, right? And, and again, I think so many people, so many sellers forget that we are selling, like for me, I'm selling, I'm talking to enablement professionals and sales leaders all the time. I have a point of view based on dozens and dozens of people that I'm talking to. And often the people that I talk to, as in, you know, when I'm prospecting, they're not speaking to the people that I'm speaking to every day like I am. They're not seeing the different organizations and what they're doing like I am. So they don't have the view that I have to bring to the table. And sellers actually don't, they underestimate the level of insight that they can bring to the table. As well, salespeople tend to undervalue what they do. I see that a lot. I wanted to go back to what you were talking about with, you know, the recession we're living in uncertain times. And that's the new normal is is the uncertainty. There's nothing more, I think, exhilarating for, for sales. And I guess, Rob, for marketing as well, you can weigh in on this where you know you need to think about how you create value you could potentially reach out to a completely new customer base you know redo your icp which for anyone new listening is ideal customer profile but where do you think sort of the the, the future is going with, with both professions yeah i think you know we've definitely seen that that line that line that separated marketing and sales has kind of become very blurred and Again, I take the view, I'm not looking at the role of sales or marketing. I'm just looking at the buyer's journey. I'm actually looking at it not from the role of, of me. I'm actually going, why, if I'm the buyer, where are they coming? Like, where am I, can I engage with them? You know, we call it the basics of marketing. You know, you go like the consideration or that awareness stage, the top of funnel, right? And when you do outbound, you're fundamentally trying to bring people into your funnel. That's what you're doing. You're trying to engage with them, give them some sort of message that connects and brings them in. It's just like a great inbound ad. Yeah, that's what an inbound ad does. It triggers somebody to take action. So I'm really looking at it from the whole buying journey and then thinking, well, if this is the buying journey that I need to help support, what are the things that I can do to influence the buyer during that during that journey? 
And yes, marketing absolutely plays an incredible role in preparing those buyers to make those sales conversations easier. But for sellers, again, if they don't own marketing, then they have to do more to influence their buyers in that awareness stage of the process, yeah? Go and learn marketing. Like if you read This Is Marketing by the great Seth Godin, there's so many concepts in that book that relate to sales. The theory that he talks about and the hammer and the nail and the picture on the wall, purple cow, um, influenced by Robert Cialdini. Like there are so many books that marketers refer to that salespeople should read every, like I would suggest put on your reading list. Yeah. Um, because they absolutely will help you in your sales role. Yeah, it's so closely aligned now, you know, that's part of the reason we started uh, the podcast, you know, that crossover you talked about. I mean, we all, you also mentioned before, before this, we were we were talking, you talked a lot about mindset. And I thought that also was, was really interesting, particularly with, you know, the climate that we're currently in. Could you talk a bit more about the importance of that? This is one of my sort of philosophies around, I, I kind of don't, and I, I'm coaching and a new person in my team for example an SDR he's awesome and you know we had a chat earlier this week and he's saying oh, the numbers are, they're not where I actually expected them to be and I said well the first thing you've got to do is stop focusing on the result because it's the wrong metric to focus on there's two metrics that you really need or two things you really need to focus on the first thing is your image which is your mindset how you show up every day how you're preparing yourself for the day the type of content that you consume so that you can really show up to be the best you can be. And the second thing is your pipeline. If you focus on those two things, that the, the results will come. And I think so many focus on the result and it's the absolute wrong focus. Because again, I can't control if people say yes or no, but I can control those first two things. And that comes back to the mindset component of this whole process. That's why I love listening to podcasts. You know, there are so many podcasts. You can listen to short ones. I just listened to Inside Sales by Daryl Prale yesterday. So I try to listen to at least one a day to get me thinking, to get my, that kind of, get your creativity going and flow going and ideas going. And then it gives you that extra energy. And I try to do it in the morning, right? I also try to make sure that I try to train every day. And I try to do it first thing because I want that dopamine hit. I want, I want to feel good when I start my day. So we all have our different rhythm and routine that we execute. Um, what works for me that doesn't necessarily work for others. But again, I know that if I don't prepare myself, if I'm not mentally focused, if I'm not feeling great, then it's going to impact the way that I go about my day. That'll impact the amount of pipeline that I create. And ultimately, if the pipeline's not there, I, the results won't come. So that's that's what I sort of I think for any seller that's concerned about what the future looks like, just focus on those first two. Don't focus on the result. Definitely with mindset and time management and yeah. just showing up every day, controlling that input, feeling good about that. And then, you know, when things are difficult, it's going to be much easier for a salesperson, isn't it, to manage? And Yeah, absolutely. Last sort of question, last topic. What other, what do you think should stop in sales tomorrow if it was down to you, Luigi? Oh, what you know what? I would stop. <laughs> I say this with respect because I absolutely love the sales engagement platforms. I love Outreach. I love Sales Loft. I love Limlist. I love everything those platforms are about. Mm-hmm. But I wish there was a way that those you could actually those platforms would be like they wouldn't send a sequence if they recognized that there was no customization, there was no personalization, there was no 
you know, relevance because that's what's jamming the shit out of people's inboxes at the moment, right? It's yeah. just poor, poorly crafted sequences. And because they're on auto, and I'm getting them, you know, third third email in the thread, are yeah. you not the right person to talk to? Is there somebody else in your organization? It's like, mate, you haven't even earned the right for me to respond to this email. You, you, you're asking me, am I in the market for X in the first email without even, it's just it's just spray and pray. Yeah. And, you know, this is what's making it harder for the sales profession. You know, we already, there, there already is a trust gap. There was a recent study that showed the most trusted professions to the least trusted. And sales and marketing are down the bottom with bloody politicians, right? So there's Whoa. a gap there. <laughs> and we're sending mass email sequences to our prospects. And then we wonder why they give us the type of responses that we get when we actually do pick up the phone, right? So for me, I wish we could just stop looking to automate everything before we actually understand what we're trying to automate. Totally agree yeah. with that. And the amount of emails I've had that talk about the person approaching me, the salesperson is talking about their solution. Yeah. I'm making that the center of the outreach. It's like, nah, I'm going to delete that email straight away. Or yeah. lately I've been giving feedback because it, it, I just, I feel sorry for the person, you know, yeah. they need to improve. Yeah. Yeah, the the tools are great, aren't they? But it's it's that thing, you know, how do you use them? They they make it so much easier, but then they can be abused. It's like, do you want to use it for good or for bad? Um, yeah, absolutely. Awesome, thank you. So I have one really quick question. I know we, we've been running over, but you've obviously talked a lot about um, sales and marketing, sales understanding marketing, the ability to do a lot more in terms of outreach and especially with all these tools. So in terms of the two working together, how do you see the relationship and is it sales doing more or, you know, how do marketing fit fit into that? Well, the first thing I reckon would be great for, you know, because there is always a challenge between sales and marketing teams. And this is where the, the chief revenue officer role has really come about, right? Because it's about bringing alignment to the revenue engine. You've got, you know, marketing, sales and customer success. Yeah. But I think in order to get that alignment, what must happen is people need to understand each other's roles. And I've often said to sellers, because I hear sellers complain, oh, marketing give us shit leads. I'm like, you know what? You're getting leads. You should be grateful you're getting leads. And if you think it's easy to generate a lead, maybe you should go into the marketing department and try to manage all the different social platforms and actually try to create a lead. Like try to build a landing page, try to build the right message, try to find the plat- you know the right platform, turn the ad on and try to generate the lead. Because I think if they did that, they'd get an appreciation to actually how hard it is to generate actual leads. And then marketing should also do the same and go into the sales shoes and see how hard it is to actually make cold calls, right? Yeah. And start crafting sales, you know, sales emails and actually having meetings with the stakeholders doesn't turn up. (laughs) Or they, 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 you get to that point of agreement and then, and then all of a sudden they ghost you for the next six months and you're asking yourself, what the hell happened, right? So I think, in order to get better alignment, they both must understand each other's roles by actually, you know, sitting in the shoes for the role for a period of time, right? And this is why I reckon people that work across both, state, you know, sides of the funnel, actually, they're better at their job, right? Um, I'm better for jumping into marketing for a period of time. Um, I'm a way better sales professional um, as a result. So um, I think, you know, that that alignment piece is is we're going to see more and more focus on the revenue engine alignment um, 
especially as you know the change is happening within the sales realm where the structure of teams are needing to adapt to the new way that companies are operating in i think that's great advice i think it's something we, we should we should all do uh to help better understand each other so thank you thanks luigi and is there anything that you want to plug before we jump off Oh, I would love to plug. I would actually love to plug the Sales IQ podcast. Yeah. It's available on any of your podcast players. <laughs> no, the Sales IQ podcast, uh, it's something that I'm, I'm, I'm fast approaching 200 episodes. Charlotte, you have been an incredible guest on the Sales IQ podcast. So, yeah, if it's just iTunes, Sales IQ or Spotify. If you want to add something to it, yeah, please take a listen. Fantastic. This was really good. I made so many notes. Thanks for coming on, Luigi. And... To our listeners, don't forget to leave us a review, follow us, give us your feedback, and we'll see you on the next show.